This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You know, I don't understand this podcasting thing. How come you boys can't have those keg parties and chase the girls like all the other nice boys do? Y'all are nerds. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and what a show we have for you today. How about we introduce you to a guy who's willing to rent out anything he owns for a profit? Think you can be financially independent? Well, say hello to Craig Kurlop. Plus, in our headline segment, what funds have had the worst returns so far this year? We'll have the list, plus more news about the ever-changing world of target date funds. How much will OG throw up in his mouth? We'll check in on that, and also, I'll share some truly incredible trivia. And now, two guys who everyone says are incredibly adept at making conversations awkward... Oh man, they're experts. Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Nothing better than somebody ask you a question, you just kind of stare at them. What's that? Like what? Huh? Huh? Oh, did you? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Really? Did we start? That'd be great. My mind's well, elsewhere. Hey, welcome to the uh, Fun With Words podcast. I am Joe Salci. I average Joe money on Twitter. And across the table from me, Mr. Awkwardness himself, the OG. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Super awkward. I don't think about you as awkward, except like if you're hanging out with a group of people and it's like 930 at night. And, and then you're not so much awkward as you're just grandpa. I'm going to bed. 930 is the appropriate time for bed. <laughs> And that's not even the bad part. The bad part isn't that you're going to bed. You look around the room and go, and you should all go to bed too. Exactly. (laughs) And then everybody starts sweating. Then we have to pass out the native. Oh, huh. That's weird. Big thanks to Native for supporting Stacky Benjamins. Native makes safe, simple, effective products. People use in the bathroom and when they're around OG every day with trusted ingredients and trusted performance. I just realized there's a lot of room here. There's a lot of gold in this Native spot for us to do some good work. For 20% mm-hmm. off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and enter promo code SB during checkout. 
Also, thanks to QuickBooks for supporting Stacking Benjamins. Save time and money so you can get to bed at 9.30. When you use Intuit QuickBooks for your financial management needs, you can save an average of $600 a year, six whole Benjamins, by paying your employees with Intuit QuickBooks payroll. Check that out today at intuit.me slash SB. We are checking out Craig Curlop today. This dude, 24 years old. He's a rocket. How many 24-year-olds do you know that have written a book? Uh, one now. And a book where he's an expert at making money. And truly, and I know what you're saying, same thing I was saying. Yeah, 24 and he's an expert. No, 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 no. You take a look at this house hacking book. Craig Curlop knows knows what he's doing. Focused on the, on the end game. Love talking to young people who get it. So gather the family around the radio because the party's about to start. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. And how do you start any party? You start it by talking about the worst investments of the year. (laughs) Ta-da! This is always fun. This uh, comes to us from Financial Planning and is written by Andrew Schilling. Andrew writes, following a year of steady gains in the major indexes, it should come as no surprise that high-priced funds that shorted the market... (laughs) We're among the worst performing. On January 1st, you probably thought that that was the thing to do. Just imagine. just Like a 3X fund. Yeah, taking all your money, putting it Down in the 75%. 3X bear. Carrying an average year-to-date loss more than 8%, the 20 mutual funds and exchange-traded products with the worst returns of 2019 severely underperformed the Dow's 20.94% as this was written as measured by the Spider Dow Jones Industrial Average ETF. Uh, the S&P 500's 25.1% gain at that point, as measured by the Spider S&P 500 ETF, ticker symbol SPY, and the Bloomberg Barclays U.S. Aggregate 7 7.52% gain, as measured by the iShares Core U.S. Aggregate Bond ETF. Let's dive into the worst performers. Locking in at number 20, Wisdom Tree India Earnings ETF. That actually made money though, OG, up uh, as of the middle of last week, up 1.78%. Investing in India, apparently not paying that much. Oh, okay. So that's diversification. We'll take that though. Yeah. I'm not unhappy with that. I I would rather see like a uh, Pacific fund maybe or an Asian fund than just picking a specific country. I think that's very difficult. Well, I mean, if you're picking a specific country, it's no different than picking a specific asset class or a specific stock, your market timing, you're guessing. So I'm with you. I'd much rather have like a emerging market fund. Yeah. Or, true. you know, international. Number 19, Wells Fargo, ultra short-term muni. I love like all these names. But a lot of wealthy people use this as a second tier cash reserve. I mean, this is not, that's not even a fund that real people invest in. Well, fixed income, it would be something that you'd invest in as a mid tier fund associated with goals. But when you start adding all those other things in there, like the ultra short, long bear Calypso fund or something. (laughs) Yeah, but but the ultra short duration means that it's not, the chance of it going through the floor are going to be really low which is why people will use it as a second tier emergency fund. So I don't even know that that's, you know what I mean? I consider it to be a, a savings account with a little volatility, much more than a than an investment. 
uh, at 18, something similar, six circles, tax aware, ultra short duration, uh, 17 Franklin floating rate daily access. Same thing. The words daily access. Yeah. They're not going to perform as well. Yeah. Uh, 16 DFA short term municipal bond Invesco, uh, 15 Invesco Oppenheimer senior floating rate. Are we going to read all of these? <laughs> what? You want me to skip to the chase? Skip to the end. Yes, all please. right. Here we go. Let's head on. A bunch of global bond funds, yada, yada, yada. Uh, some of the market neutral funds. I know how much you love those. Let's go. Number eight, Nuveen Equity Market Neutral. Yeah. Where they take half of the thing and make sure the other half doesn't do anything good. It does the exact opposite. It's neutral. You're always going to get 0%. Yeah. By the way, down 6.1%. And with an expense ratio of 2.29, what could go wrong? Next, uh, Vanguard, market neutral. Expense ratio, by the way. Hey, Vanguard, 1.8. You're beating Nuveen, but year-to-date return, negative nine. Number six, the Spider S&P oil and gas exploration, down 13.7. Well, once again, oil and gas would be like kind of commodities, right? So are you okay with that kind of well, I love diversification? When, I love when David Stein was on when he talked about the difference between an investment and a bet. Yeah. And when you're in oil, it's a bet because you can't look at the dividend. You can't look at the earnings. You can't figure out what this thing should do. There's no calculation there at all. It's it's oil. If oil does great. And like he mentioned a couple of weeks ago, if you go back uh, two weeks ago to when David Stein was on, you can listen to the interview. David said that that doesn't make it bad. It just realized that this is a commodity is going to be a bet. And then uh, number five is the Van Eck Vectors Oil Services. And then the, the, the final four, ProShare short the S&P, oh, down 18.57. ETFMG Alternative Harvest ETF, probably loaded up on oil, negative 22.7. Uh, number two, ProShare short QQQ, meaning they're shorting the NASDAQ index. When shorting the S&P 500 isn't enough. You short the NASDAQ, <laughs> exactly. uh, down 23%. For people who don't know why, that's because it's more volatile. And then last, the IPATH B, S&P 500, VIX, short-term futures, ETN, oh boy, down 56.66%. If you're investing in the IPATH B, S&P 500, VIX, short-term futures, ETN, you, my friend, need a hobby. <laughs> I just want to know how you find it. Uh, ticker symbol VXX. There it is. If you want to invest in the worst performing thing, not a great place to be. But look at how many of those are bets. A lot of that is betting didn't pay off and broad US-based investing paid off again for what's that? The 10th year in a row? Weird. Hashtag shocked. Our second headline comes to us from Barron's. Uh, this is fun. How about we talk about target date funds? Fine. Schwab plans 401k hybrid. Uh, this is written by Joel Arbage. Charles Schwab plans to launch early next year a service for 401k plans that would automatically move participants. By the way, did you see this? I did not. No. It would automatically move participants from a target date fund into a managed account as they get close to retirement. That's according to Investment News, which notes Schwab is following two other big 401k record keepers in power retirement and fidelity investments 
and offering TDF-managed account hybrids. The Schwab program would make the shift for plan participants when they reach a certain age around 55 or 60 chosen by their employers. Participants would be able to opt out. Common in 401ks, target date funds allocate their assets with a specific long-term target mine, most often in the beginning of retirement. Managed accounts are fee-based accounts that invest in multiple assets and can be personalized, a potential plus for folks nearing retirement who tend to have more complicated finances than younger savers. For example, managed accounts can be adjusted for variables such as participants' marital status and where they have other financial accounts. Investment News Notes I found that incredibly interesting. Let's talk through that. First of all, going from this very generic asset allocation into a much more personal one when you start to land the plane in retirement. It's not as offensive anymore, the landing the plane thing, because I do it in real life. (laughs) So there, successfully, I might add. You're just trying to take the teeth out of it, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Please stop. The whole premise of target date funds, though, I think it's broken. And the inner workings of them suck generally and all that sort of stuff. And they're too expensive and whatever. But the whole idea of getting to retirement to be more conservative or getting on retirement and then turning more conservative, I think is false. It's it's what we tell ourselves because it gives us this thing in the future that, you know, well, on retire, I have to do something because we're so, we're so convinced that we have to do something all the time. Every time I talk to somebody, well, what should we do? Nothing. We already did it. We, we're, we are, we are doing stuff right now by actively saving money into your retirement plan or, you know, rebalancing once a year, which is more than adequate. You don't have to change stuff. When you look at retirement, you get to 65 and you're retired. Yeah, you need money tomorrow. I get that. You need money when you're 66 and 67. I understand. But you also need money when you're 95. Statistically, if you're a healthy couple age 65 that doesn't smoke, one of you will live to be 92. And that date is a little old. So I bet that number's up even more. So all of this, oh, well, well you, you know, you don't hear it as much anymore about like, well, your age has to be in bonds and that sort of stuff. People don't say that anymore because the market's gone straight up for 10 years. But the whole idea of like instantly you hit this thing and now you have to become more conservative. Oh my gosh, I'm in retirement. I have to be conservative. That's the way almost assuredly to guarantee failure. That's why I found this so compelling is that I feel like there's so much money going into target date funds. And what this signals Oh, gee, is that the companies offering them know it's broken. So like, whoa, whoa, here's what we're going to do. Okay, everybody's in love with the fact that I just get to invest all easy. But the place where this takes you is not where you want to go. So here's what we're going to do instead. We're going to change it over to a managed account when you get close. So then we can base it on you instead of basing it on where this was headed, because you don't want to go where a target date fund's headed. Nobody wants to go to the end game in a target date fund. Is that what you think? You think that all the product manufacturers are like, we should do the right thing for people. It is definitely a hybrid in two ways. It's, hey, this thing's broken. We can fix it. And while we're fixing it, we get to make a crap ton more money. There you go. That's the truth, right? Because it's A A and A1. Exactly. (laughs) Those are the two reasons. Right. Well, this doesn't have to be a we win, they lose proposition. 
It could be we win and we win. We win. Everybody wins. As long as that everybody is us. Yes. We are happy with that. But seriously, the client comes along for the ride much better with this than they do with riding the target date fund to the end. It isn't good. I'm not saying it's good, but I am saying that I feel like with this change, all these companies, what TD Ameritrade, Fidelity, other companies are going, yeah, yeah. About that uh, that thing that everybody's putting their money in, not not a happy ending. Okay, we'll see. Which brings up the other side of this. If you don't opt out of this, and you're very happy doing some financial planning when you get around, you know, the few years before retirement, now it's moving into a managed fund or a few years from that year that the target date fund is, is, is set to go. So, so they're, they're rolling into this thing. If you're happy doing financial planning at that point to make it personalized, why the hell wouldn't you just do it now? Yeah. Time, maybe, maybe accessibility in terms of like people that can help um, the perceived cost. I don't know. I don't know. Probably time interest level. Interest level, I think is a big one. I will deal with it later. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In just a second, we're going to have our takeaways for this piece. But while we're talking about time, made me think about all the time you spend working on your employee's payroll. And, you know, we're always, OG and I, on the lookout for ways to help you improve your business. As somebody who's self-employed, if you're not using Intuit QuickBooks for your financial management needs, you should be. It'll save you time, money, and most of all, the headaches you're dealing with right now. Payday all of a sudden becomes super easy. You can run payroll in less than five minutes with Intuit QuickBooks payroll. It's easy to set up. You can access hours and pay employees and contractors right in one place. You submit payroll for your whole team right up until the day before payday. Employees can always view their pay stubs anytime via an online employee portal, so you're not wasting time over and over with uh, requests from every other employee. It's all taken care of for you. It's technology you can trust. You can rest easy knowing every paycheck is correct. Here's a big one, the payroll tax calculations are done for you. Ask anybody who's in that area just how fun those are. Uh, File and pay federal and state taxes yourself or have QuickBooks handle them for you. 100% penalty-free guarantee. QuickBooks will resolve all the filing errors and pay any penalty fee too. Customizable. QuickBooks payroll has options for businesses of all sizes from one to 150 employees. You can save an average of $600 annually by paying your employees with Intuit QuickBooks payroll Check it out today at intuit.me slash SB. That's I-N-T-U-I-T dot M-E slash SB. I think that's a big one. While some things like Intuit, QuickBooks, Payroll are time-saving, a target date fund is time-saving, but in still 95% of the cases, pretty inefficient, OG. I think that's one takeaway. And the companies, by offering this, I think they know it. And then number two is... Going into that Van Eck market neutral short-term volatility S&P 500 QQQ short. VIX. You forgot VIX. VIX. Combination fun. Uh, might want to back away from the keyboard after that third cup of coffee, cowboy.
He is a gentleman I was super excited to meet. I always love it when somebody is just rocking from an early age, and Craig Kurlop is that guy. He not only invests in real estate, he works for our I think we can say this is our favorite company in real estate just because we know so many people over there and they're very quality people. If you're not paying attention to bigger pockets and you're in real estate, I'm not sure what you're doing. Craig Curlop works for bigger pockets and uh, is well on his journey at the ripe old age of 24 years old. Let's say hello to our good friend Craig Curlop. And here he comes, walking down the stairs to the basement. It's our new friend, Craig Kurlop. How are you, man? Hey, great, man. Thanks for having me on. So I was talking to a good friend of mine yesterday, literally yesterday. And he's a guy that you know, used to be your boss, a guy named Josh Dorkin. I told him that you were coming over to talk about house hacking. And this is what he said about you, which, which I would think is high praise from Josh about you. But tell me if this is correct, Craig. He says that you would rent somebody your underwear if they would rent it from you. Like you're, you're so into the sharing economy and the gig economy that you would rent your underwear. True or not true? True. And I think that's funny that that's the only thing he remembers from all the conversations we've had. <laughs> well, that's not the only thing. He just thought that that was high praise for Craig. I'll that, take it. That Craig's a guy that would, would do anything. In fact, in your book, you talk about how you bought a car specifically, mostly thinking about being an Uber driver. Yeah. The original intent to buy my first car was just to like drive for Uber to make some extra dollars so I could then use that money to get into that first house hack. I was really new to Denver at the time. So I was like, oh, well, I'll get to know Denver. I'll make some money, get to meet some new people, all these things. So I felt like that was like the best idea. But that's why I bought a Prius because those are, as you know, the best on gas. That's so, so funny. <laughs> Cut your gas yeah. costs, get to know the city. Like 15 benefits. I feel like you went through, you ever hear those uh, Ben Franklin sheets where you put down all the pluses in one column and all the minuses in the other? I feel like you kind of did that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Pros and cons lists, all that stuff. Yep. Yes. I used to be very big into that. Yep. Well, let me ask you about this then. You were, correct me if I'm wrong, a venture capitalist right out of college. How did that happen? Yeah. So my college was, was kind of like one of the best known colleges in the country for co-op programs or internships. And so I had done a six month internship at this venture. It was like a venture debt company out in Palo Alto. And I loved the internship, converted it to a full-time job. But then when I got to be a full-time job and there was no end, I realized I actually hated it and it's not what I wanted to do. Why is that? So, you didn't want to be on the, you, you didn't like the treadmill aspect when you say there was no end? There was no end. Yeah. Like the internships we did were always six months. So like once six months ended at that job, I was like, I'm ready for something new now. Like every six months you had something new. But with this one, you know, I was working 70, 80, 90 hours a week, making the same amount all for like a slightly higher bonus at the end of the year where I was looking at my boss who was making 10 times me and his boss was making 10 times him. So I'm working my ass off just to get, make one dude a hundred times more than me. And it just, it just didn't cut right for me. So I, uh, I had to part ways. You're like, instead of somebody else making all that money, I could make some of that money. Yeah. I could work just as hard and make as much as a top guy at some point, you know? At what point you say in your book that you read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it kind of changed everything for you. Were you working mm -hmm. in the venture capital firm when that happened? Did you read it in college? When did that happen? I was working at the venture capital firm at the time. So I had just got started listening to bigger pockets actually while I was at the, at the firm. And 
everyone kept mentioning this book, Rich Dad Poor Dad in the podcast. So I was like, okay, well, if 15, 20 people have mentioned it now in the last 20 episodes, I should probably give it a read. And that book just like articulated all of the mess that was in my head into one. I'm sure you've read the book. It's like, sure. you know, 200 page long of like almost child text. And it's just, it was great. Yeah. What was the biggest aha at the time though, for you, for people that haven't read the book? The biggest aha was just the whole idea of saving your money and investing it in things that provide you with passive income rather than saving your money, either in just putting it away in a savings account or saving your money and just spending it. Right. So the whole idea of investing it so that it will make you a return and that, and those returns will provide you the freedom that you need. So you get the job at bigger pockets and then you start house hacking Explain to everybody, let, let's just define the term because we're going to have a great house hacking discussion here for the next yeah. 10 minutes. What does house hacking mean? So house hacking is the idea that you buy a property, a one to four unit property with a low percentage down, typically three to 5% down. You live in one part. So in a single family, you live in a room and rent out the other rooms or in a duplex, triplex or quad, you live in one unit, rent out the other units such that the rent from those units is fully covering your mortgage. You're living for free. You're building wealth through real estate and you're also now a landlord real estate investor. So it's kind of like this dual pronged approach where it's like you're saving tons of money because you just eliminated your largest expense. And now you're also getting some experience in real estate investing, which is something that a lot of people want to do. How old were you when you bought your first house then in the Denver area? 24. Tell me how that went. Uh, not, not buying the house, but how did it go then hacking that property? Yeah. So the first one is interesting. Uh, the first one was, this is why Josh says that I would rent out my underwear is, so I bought the, it was a duplex that was like a mile and a half from the office in a really good part of Denver. And I rented out the top full-time lived in the bottom, but it wasn't quite cutting it. It wasn't quite covering my mortgage. So I basically made like a curtain and a room divider and put up, made like a quasi living room, quasi bedroom, sorry, in my living room, slept on a futon behind there and rented out my bedroom on Airbnb. So I did that for a full year while renting out my car while doing it. So I like basically owned everything, but used nothing. That was my strategy for a year that allowed me to save $20,000, $30,000 and was able to buy the next house hack in a year from there. So that was kind of like my foundation. Before we move on, I did, yeah. it, I want to just put a point on this just because when it comes to the, so I get the renting the floor, like that part makes sense to me. The, the Airbnb piece, I've done Airbnb a few times. I walk into somebody's house and there's this curtain around a part of the living room. <laughs> it just, it's a little sketchy. Did you get decent reviews though? Almost all of my reviews have been good. I mean, I was very clear that it's a private bedroom. I would also be there. We'd be sharing the bathroom in the kitchen. You know, the pictures in the Airbnb show the curtain and all that kind of stuff. They know exactly what they're walking into. Usually it was like, you know, it was, my place was pretty cheap, right? So it was like couples trying to save a buck usually or someone save it, like someone coming for business. It was just them. I met a lot of interesting people, actually. Some people I'm still in touch with today. So yeah, I like that. And you make this point a lot that when you do house hacking, you meet a lot of cool people. Like you meet a lot of like-minded people because they're either trying to save money by doing what you're doing, right? Or being that young couple that maybe wants to save a few bucks seeing things. And it sounds like you met people from all over the world. Yeah, everywhere. I mean, I met people from New Zealand, from Poland, from, I mean, I could name a bunch of countries, Germany, like all <laughs> these places, Australia, like, yeah. yeah and, and it's crazy because we're still in touch. Like, you know, probably... I mean, I've probably had a hundred guests or so while I was there living there and I'm probably in touch with, you know, maybe five or six of them, but still like, that's pretty good. I think that is pretty good. Well, and, and also what's pretty good. You said it took a year with that property before you got a second one. That's right. 
Yep. One year. Literally, I, I couldn't stand it behind the curtain anymore <laughs> after one year. And so I was like, all right, I'm done. I went and bought a new property, got my own room and all that kind of stuff. So living a luxury, luxurious life now. But the second property also, you rent there though, right? Too? Or did rent That's there? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So this one was a five bed, two bath house. And this time I lived in one room, but rented out all the other rooms. So I had my own room, but the four other rooms was covering my mortgage by like over a thousand dollars a month while I rented my duplex out fully. So now, you know, that was just totally rented out. And that was also capturing me around a thousand dollars a month. So you can kind of see how that your passive cash flow grows pretty quickly with the strategy. Yeah, that's really neat. I'd, I'd imagine you had to be a little careful about buying the property though, buying the right property. Oh yeah. Yep. There's so many things that you kind of have to look at when you buy a house hack. The main thing is how many beds and how many baths for your dollar do you want? Like the more beds and baths you can get, the better. But you definitely don't want a disproportionate amount of bedrooms to bathrooms. Like I'm, I was kind of pushing it there with that five two. Personally, I think the five three, five bed three bath works best, where one person has a master and then there's two sets of two people sharing one bathroom. That I find is, is what works best for the rent by the room. Yeah, I was well at least five two and a half, right? Yeah, that would be good too. But even a five, the five two is actually not bad, and it's actually kind of funny because there one of the bathrooms in that five two was a master. So there was four people sharing one bathroom. Oh yeah. It was a pretty big bathroom. There were two sinks. I didn't really notice a problem and I didn't hear about any problems of it, but I feel like it sounds a lot worse than it actually is. As long as you just make sure your roommates and tenants are, are good people. Right. But let's go into some basics here on house hacking. First of all, just to talk about the different games you're playing, you're playing the mortgage amortization table to build equity game. I mean, you're clear about that. You are building equity as people are making these payments on your behalf. That's right. And then second, you're not paying for it. Somebody else's mortgage rates though. House hacking means that this is your primary residence. Uh, Tell everybody why that's important. Yeah. So when you buy a property that's your primary residence, that's what allows you to one, get those 3% to 5% down loans I'm talking about. You have to live there for a year. And two, typically primary residents, the rates on those are probably like one percentage point lower. And so, you know, you can save a lot on the interest rate there as well. So again, that's why it's a couple of the reasons why it's such a powerful strategy. Yeah. And the reason for that for everybody is that the banks historically think you're going to take better care of the house if you're living there than if it's just a rental property. Uh, so they'll give you a little discount on the rate versus, well, they don't give you a discount. Banks don't give you a discount. They jack up the rate if you don't live there. That's probably more, That's, more, yeah. more likely. <laughs> You do a great job of going through all the drawbacks of doing what you do, of, of the house hacking. And I thought, if you don't mind, uh, we just dive into these, Craig. Let's do it, yeah. Uh, a first one is, is this going to be more work? Talk to me about that drawback. Yeah, so house hacking will be slightly more work than living in a rental where you don't need to take care of maintenance and don't need to take care of all that, right? It'll be a lot of work up front when you're showing the house, buying the house and all that. So within the first two or three months of buying, but then you're getting $1,000 a month of passive cash flow. The big point there is that you're giving yourself that passive cash flow so you then don't have to work for 40 or 50 years. So would I rather work for three months, a little harder for three months than work for 40 years? I will take that any day of the week. Yeah, I feel like you constantly right now have this end picture in your head all the time. It's like people have this vision board, like you've got to keep that long-term perspective. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. You have to just like, yeah, exactly. Second is uh, living, living with a bunch of people you might not know. Yeah. You know, the biggest part of house hacking and probably the most important part is the screening the tenants. And so, yeah, you're going to live with people you don't know. 
again, it's only for a few years, three or four years, and you'll have, you'll put yourself in a really good financial position to then not have to work for 30 or 40 years. So that's kind of like what it all boils down to at the end. But a lot of times those people that you meet in your house, again, become your friends or become maybe your future girlfriend or wife or whatever, right? There are situations that have happened where you you never know who you're going to meet. And I think just putting yourself in, in that position is really good. Well, it's funny. My son lived in a house that was owned by one of the people that lived there when he first moved to uh, Seattle. And Frank, he was kind of warned about his landlord. By the end of the year, though, he couldn't stand the guy. Just absolutely. Really? It, yeah, they were they were really rubbing each other like sandpaper. And not just my son, but other people in the house were having issues with, with this individual. Um, which brings up the third thing keeping the professional relationship then. I mean, you talk about it becoming your girlfriend. How do you separate church and state? You know, how do you make sure that you, you maintain this professionalism? For sure. Yeah. I've actually had this situation happen to me. Basically it's most of the time when you're living together, like you're just roommates, you're going to come in, you're going to make dinner, you're going to chat, you're going to shoot. Like you never, you would never know that you're the landlord. It's only when problems happen is when it's only in the beginning when you're signing a lease. And then when problems happen, are you the landlord? And I just say like, I know we're friends, but right now we're not friends. I'm putting my landlord hat on and we're now business partners right now. And I just basically like say exactly, basically almost like a role play where I just say exactly what, what part I'm playing right now. And they usually get that pretty clearly. And it's, it has, I've, I've had to do it a few times and it seems to work fine. Just let everybody know at this point in the conversation, I'm changing my hat. Yeah, exactly. You're changing your hat. Like I'm no longer your friend right now. Yeah. I am your landlord. And this is a business. I'm not running a nonprofit. I have like no obligations to you. So this is what we're doing. If they start to get really, you know, sure about it. Well, and it's funny, I'm laughing as you're talking because my, because when I was at the Citadel, we had the, this, uh, you know, I'm a freshman and you get the hell beat out of you all year long. And every once in a while, an upperclassman would, would do something nice for you. And it was funny because I remember one guy, Mr. Foster, was super nice to all the people in all the freshmen in our unit. And we start chatting with him and he chats with us for a second. And all of a sudden, Craig, you saw this change. Like he was doing what you're talking about. He changes his hat and he looks at us and goes, I ain't your buddy. Just remember that. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just being nice to you. I ain't your buddy. So that was the first thing I thought about when you were telling that story. I ain't your yeah. buddy. I ain't your buddy. I ain't your friend, pal. (laughs) But number four is, is that even if you're, you know, making good money, I mean, you've got nice cash flow. You could then probably live someplace nicer. Your fourth one on the list here is you live in a crappy investment property. Yeah. Uh, Again, that is one of those things you kind of just have to, one of those hits you kind of just have to take, right? Like, you know, you're going to see your friends living in the luxury apartments and all that kind of stuff. But again, you're going to also see your friends working for the next 40 or 50 years. So I think you just have to see what your values are. And if your values are kind of your freedom or travel, or maybe you want to start a business or something like that, like that's just like one of those, one of those hits you have to take at the end of the day, I'd be willing to bet if you're willing to do the strategy, you're probably not home a whole lot because you're probably either working or doing extracurricular activities and all that. So most of the time in your house, your eyes are closed anyway. So you just dream about where you want to be. Yeah. Sleep in a comfortable bed. You can have a comfortable bed. It doesn't like, you know, that that's not, I've always had a comfortable bed. So yeah. And high thread count sheets, right? High threat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then last, coming up with that first down payment, I bet that was kind of difficult. Yeah, that is def- that's probably the hardest part of this whole thing is just kind of coming up with that first down payment. It's kind of like it's kind of like when a train gets moving, right? I hear this analogy all the time and I like it for this. 
you start to push the train or whatever, and it's going to be harder and harder and harder. But once it starts rolling, it really just starts rolling, and then it almost moves by on itself. That first $20,000, like that initial push in the train, it might take you a couple of years to save that. And that's really where you just have to pinch your pennies, do some side hustles, and make as much money as you can. Like that's where the Uber driving came in for me. That's where renting out my car came in. There's so many side hustles that you can do. So spend less, make more, save it until you can buy your house hack. And then you'll be saving a whole lot more and that will just funnel and funnel and funnel. You go into, by the way, all the different ways that you can finance things. I'm even looking at some like private capital, hard money loans, portfolio lending, partnering with other people, just some interesting creative ways that you can work. Some that are ugly, some that aren't. You also have some stories uh, in here, people that have done it. So it's not just Craig's story. You get people that have successfully house hacked in the past. The book is called The House Hacking Strategy, How to Use Your Home to Achieve Financial Freedom. Where does everybody get it, Craig? Yeah, you can get it at biggerpockets.com slash house hack. <laughs> Believe it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Biggerpockets.com forward slash house hack. Awesome. Right. Uh, well, thanks for spending a few minutes with us and talking about house hacking, man. This is it, it's, it's so exciting. And I'm glad that you didn't ask me if uh, I wanted to rent your underwear. So that's good. Oh, well, we haven't gone offline yet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And what's all this hamburger stuff on the crazy calendar Joe's mom gave me last week? Wendy's and this week, there's another one. So how about this little piece of trivia? Uh, what fast food joint made popular in the U.S. sold its 50th billion, 50 billion, 50 billionth serving of its specialty on this day in 1984? Going to be back with an answer in just a moment. Well, good news, stackers. We are the best smelling podcast in town. And you know why? It's because a native... Native makes safe, simple, effective products people use in the bathroom every day with trusted ingredients and trusted performance. I got to tell you, it's the only way to keep our reputation with visitors to the basement. I mean, I don't know that Anthony would have come down to the basement had he thought that it was Guy Funk basement. Native can hang with you, your workout, your podcasting life, busy mom life, 16-hour days, whatever it is. Native has fewer, simpler ingredients, so you know everything that's in your deodorant. It's also safe and effective. And by the way, there's also an incentive formula and baking soda-free formula for those people with sensitivity. To, it's aluminum-free, safe, and effective. It also, for those of you that want scents, it comes with a variety of them. Plus, they release new limited-edition seasonal scents throughout the year. But the classics are coconut and vanilla that's her most popular one, lavender and rose, cucumber and mint, eucalyptus and mint. They offer free returns and exchanges in the USA, and you can subscribe and save 17%. You'll save two bucks a stick and have Native conveniently delivered to your door every one, two, three, or four months. I like having a deodorant that has clean ingredients, you know? One that I know what I'm actually putting on my body. No more sweating down markets. Of course, we don't really sweat down markets here, do we? or uh, worried about the fact that we have a long day of podcasting because Native hangs in there with us. So get 20% off your first purchase by visiting nativedeodorant.com and our promo code SB during checkout. That's 20% off your first purchase by going to nativedeodorant.com and our promo code SB at checkout. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. But you knew that. You've been waiting for me. And nothing like the smell of fresh trivia in the morning, am I right? 
Hey, uh, let's get you today's answer. The question was this. What fast food joint made popular in the U.S. sold its 50 billionth serving of its specialty on this day in 1984? If you said that brand with golden arches, you owe yourself some fries. Uh, Or not. Uh, No judgment. Either way. Some people like fries, some people don't. Hey, different people eat different things, and that's okay by us. Uh, we wouldn't want to make jokes about you know anything people eat or, or, or whether they crossfit or play board games or any of that. Basically, we're not going to have any fun anymore ever, 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 ever. Uh, so I'll just say this. Congratulations to those people who got it right, and also congratulations. And uh, we'll send a participation medal to everyone who got it wrong as well because we just want we want everybody to feel good about themselves and uh, you know, be happy and and hug everybody that we can that's pretty much it we just we want to we want you to like us please like us i think doug may have read the review that we made hurtful comments about vegans you made hurtful comments it was you and len man we said, we said, I love how the finger pointing begins, begins immediately. And it was awfully funny. It was nearly as funny as the, to Doug's point, the CrossFit stuff or the board game jokes or the jokes about people who mow their lawn or the jokes about drivers or yeah. Gotta be careful. Don't need to talk about that subject. Can't do anything that's funny ever no. again. Also, thanks uh, to Craig Kerlop. Let's talk about that. Much more positive. Let's keep it positive. How amazing that this guy has decided to hack everything. Just brilliant. And I love his point, OG, that if he keeps the long term in mind where he's headed with this, he's 24 years old. He's got $2,000 a month already coming in of excess cash flow outside of his job. At 24 years old, he's already building this machine so that. He can work at bigger pockets because he likes it, not because he has to. I mean, how great is it that he's got this excess cash flow coming in? And then he's using it to parlay it into more. Yeah. Yeah. To build you the know, machine bigger. Keep on doing more and more and more. Just it's cool. Just absolutely fan, fantastic. I think there are so many people out there. You and I see this. I saw this when I was a financial planner. I know you see it today. People that tell you, I can't do it. I can't. I, I, this budget just is tight, but it's got to stay tight. Craig is living proof that now you can rent out your underwear. <laughs> Have you tried sleeping in the living room? Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> if not, we're going to show you this episode. That's a guy who will tell you, nope, there's another way. So big thanks. Big thanks to Craig. Hey, that's going to do it for today. A little bit of a short show today. OG and I with a lot on the calendar. Busy, busy, busy. Absolutely. Next week, huge week on the show uh, that we're getting ready for. It's, believe it or not, Black Friday week. Can you believe that already? Wouldn't we just call that Thanksgiving week? Good point. But when you look at... Okay, Mr. Commercialism. When you look at the two holidays. (laughs) Like, oh, I'm so excited for next week. I get Friday off to go shopping at 4 a.m. Perfect. I get to... I'm not going to work. Instead, I'm going to stay in the line in the freezing cold with people that I don't know. But I can get a toaster for $11. <laughs> what a bargain. None of that for me. Have you ever done any of that? So when I was at the TV station, I used to, on Black Friday, my segment would appear around 6.15, 6.30. So when I got done, 
around seven o'clock, I would reach Best Buy or whatever the, the store was. The line was already gone. So I wasn't getting the TV, but I could go get my kids cheap video games. Or one year we got a little karaoke machine uh, for mm-hmm. them that was pretty fun. So I could go get stuff and avoid the line. So I used to do it every year back a decade ago. And then Amazon came up. And then I and realized I don't have to. You can do this online. <laughs> it will come gift wrapped to your home. Yeah. Magically. Well, and while we do have a couple of minutes, I'll say this. I know it's, it's only midweek, but next week on the show, by the way, Friday show with uh, Katie Brewer promises to be really fun. We're going to have a good time this Friday. But next week, uh, uh, Regina Conway from SlickDeals.net, they list all the different deals at Slick Deals. She's coming on on Monday to talk about everything except tech, because on Wednesday, Bridget Carey from CNET is back. And if you haven't mm-hmm. watched Bridget Carey's CNET uh, YouTube channel, it, you don't know what you're missing. All kinds of fun. She experiments with so much of the new tech. She always has some quirky stuff. And Regina has some fantastic deals as well. So if you're shopping next week, don't waste your money. Listen to the Monday and Wednesday show. And then Friday on shopping day, as you're listening to this, I'm on a plane headed to Board Game Geek, big convention in Dallas of uh, thousands of people who play board games. And I've gone, this will be my fifth time going. And when we're there, for people that are new to the show, every year I try to grab somebody that has a fantastic presence in that area and knows a lot of the cool games that are out. Because most people don't know there's games, there's been games since 1950. You don't have to play, you don't have to play Life, Clue, or Monopoly. Uh, there actually are different games. And this year, Lincoln Damhurst, who has a great YouTube channel called Game Night, where they actually play a game. And you can watch these people. Imagine, you don't play a game yourself. You get to watch people play in the game. <laughs> it's incredible. <clears throat> Sounds like my kids watching people play Fortnite. Yes. I will watch the beginning of the game to see how they explain it. I'll kind of watch pieces of the middle and then I'll go to the end to see what they all thought about it if I like it. But Lincoln Damhurst with boardgamegeek.com. A website, by the way, that if I'm if my numbers are correct, two million people a day go to Board Game Geek. He's going to talk about five games that, without really trying to teach you, can give you some little lessons about economics, money. Maybe you run a business, maybe you you're buying real estate, maybe you're you know, buying and selling stocks, whatever it might be. He's going to have five. And then he's also going to have five games that are fun to play with people that don't play games around the holidays. So party games, games for the family. Uh, he's He was very excited to join me. So we'll be next Friday live from Board Game Geek. Sounds fun. Going to be good. Thanks for the invite. Hey, if you want, if you want, if you want to get, uh, if you want to get, you caught me off guard there because of the fact that that convention sells out in a hurry, A, and B, uh, you would have said, no, thank you. Hey, you want to play board games from Wednesday to Sunday? You're supposed to invite me anyway. So that (laughs) I say, no, thank you. You can come down and it's a win-win. You'll come down and join us for lunch at, uh, what's that great barbecue place downtown? Babs. Mm. Let's go to Babs one day. All right. uh, That's going to do it for today. Hey, if you are looking for good financial planning help in your corner, OG has a waiting list for 2020. And if you want to be at the front end of that list, so his team gives you a call when they reopen the doors, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash OG. All right. That's going to do it. Doug, take it from here, man. What should we have learned today? 
Well, Joe, here's exactly what everybody should have learned today. First, take some advice from Craig Curlop. Feeling the money pinch? There's so much you can hack. Not just your house, but also your car and maybe even your underwear. Yeah, probably not your underwear. Just don't do that one. But the other stuff, give it a shot. Second, checking out the short-term returns on your mutual fund or exchange-traded funds? Stop that. Really, just stop. But the big lesson... Vote Doug 2020. Four people are getting campaign shirts who write a quick, I want one, to team at stackingbenjamins.com. Come get them, people. You need to wear Doug swag to your company holiday party. Am I right? See ya. Special thanks to Craig Curlop for joining us. You'll find his book, House Hacking, at biggerpockets.com slash househack. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and there's a 73% chance that I played Chuck on Happy Days. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Due to current economic conditions, it's my job to inform you that the light at the end of the tunnel has been turned off. I went to see a concert last week that was amazing. It was called Scott Bradley's Postmodern Jukebox. You familiar with them? No. I wish we could play their music because it's pretty innovative. Here's what they do. Scott Bradley is a pianist, an arranger, genius with music, decided back in 2014 to invite some of his friends over and in his apartment living room they turned some popular songs into 1920s jazz numbers and so it's all of your favorite hits from today that are made into jazz numbers and i wish if it weren't for the recording industry and copyright laws i would play some frankly we don't even know how to buy the to buy the license to play it but we can't play it but i will say this It looks like a 1920s jazz band. They've got two guys on horns with those risers in front of them, you know, the stands that are in front of them, Uh, a big 
old style drum kit and then a piano and a guy who's playing either the upright bass or he's playing a guitar, depending on the song. Because some of the songs they go into the, they turn them into uh, 30s, 40s, 50s songs. A guy comes out in a top hat, introduces it to Scott Bradley's postmodern jukebox, and he says, at the beginning of the show, how many people have seen this before? And you knew it was going to be a good show when two thirds of the audience raises their hand and is screaming like two thirds of the audience is, is geeked. And I turned to Cheryl. I'm like, Oh, this is, I thought it was going to be good. The guy then starts singing and then somebody comes out and there, there's just this random tap dancer. There's a woman from Sweden who plays all the different horns. They keep bringing out different vocalists. There's a guy who studied at Berkeley School of Music at a phenomenal voice. Um, a woman who is uh, about to embark on her own solo career. Different vocalist with the band. And as the show went on, every single song, you'd finish the song. You're like, that was amazing. There's no way they can top it. And then the next song, they do something else more amazing. Just if you get a chance to go see Scott Bradley's Postmodern Jukebox, if you like pop music, or if you don't know anything about pop music, but you like old jazz music, go see Scott Bradley. Okay. I don't know that I would like it, but... I think you, Mrs. OG, would really like it. I think you'd like it a ton. I would play the audio and you go, oh, that's cool, but I can't do it. So everybody go to YouTube and look up Scott Bradley with two E's, not E-Y, Scott Bradley, L-E-E, Postmodern Jukebox. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life, and best careers for military spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.